0: and turn with me to the book of Job. I count it a joy to be able to participate along with the other pastors in a series about Job. I think it's titled, let me read it, How, number number eight, Trusting God in the Depths. My theme tonight will be on How Suffering Opens Our Eyes to the Lord. I wasn't in the military my brother was, my father was, many of my uncles. I particularly know that uh, men who are in the military strive to serve their country faithfully, and many who are Christians are above that, serving God. But Many military people long to get all the uh, chevrons and badges and medals that they can display on their uniforms. It shows where they've been, their rank, how well they've served, and how many places they've served. Well, I'm not sure if if there are those kinds of marks for a believer. I heard Dr. Kennedy say a number of years ago, he heard this wonderful singing before a service at his church in Florida, and uh, the voice was marvelous. The praise of God was terrific. But as he got closer to the soloist who was practicing He was more and more alarmed by the sight of the wounds on this man, for indeed it was Merrill Womack who had had a plane accident a number of years before, and scarring and burns from that plane accident had horribly deformed his physical face, but nonetheless through it, the voice that came clear in the heart of Dr. Kennedy, and many who have heard him, was that he loved Jesus, and the scars of what have happened, has happened to him didn't deter him from walking with the Lord. That is something we must work at. With God's enablement we shall, as we look into the life of some things I, I discover in looking at Job chapters 15 through 17. And we won't read every passage, but we will look at a few selected places. First, let's call to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Guide us in your word that we would see great and wondrous things which we don't know. And more than that, O Lord, through your Holy Spirit, enable us to live in a faithful way, obedient to your word and trusting you as we have just sung. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How the suffering that we go through can open our eyes to the Lord. Well, I'm not sure I'm a great sufferer, but Job was. And in the midst of, if you followed along as the pastors have been sharing, you see how much he lost and yet how great the presence of God was in his life. Whether God would call you and me to lose all that we have, that's left up to his providence. Whether we would be afflicted with certain kinds of suffering in friendships, in health, in finance, that's again up to the Lord. But from the reading of Scripture tonight, I think we can at least say Job was an exemplary example of one who amidst his suffering saw things from the Lord. The first thing I want us to look at is found in chapter 16, verse 12. The scripture says, all was well with me. Now, Job is in a reflective mood, but he is thinking back to those times just before the Lord let Satan attack him. And in his sense, in one version, the King James, I think it says, I was at ease when I was away for a few weeks on vacation, I read the Biography, autobiography of President Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, it chronicled his very beginnings from his birth all the way up until the time that he was uh, the president uh, of Columbia University and right after that the, uh, the head of NATO in Europe just prior to his becoming elected president. The title of the book was At Ease. <laughs> when you read his life, you see it was anything but. He was vigorous from his very early years in all kinds of discipline. But one of the things that frustrated him was that when he was in service after he graduated from West Point, he, during World War I, was called to serve in uh, capacity in Texas, quite a bit far removed from where the action was. And anybody who's trained for military, and especially those who have trained to be officers, really don't want to get stuck on what one would consider inactive type service in the sense of not being where the front is, not being where the action is. And he, like many of his peers, wanted to be there. But he consigned himself to serve his country. What he didn't realize in his service was most of his job at that time was to Get supplies and materials and move them from this place to another place. Not very important, not very exciting, but Ike did it with enthusiasm. Little did he know that about 25 years later, he would be called by his commander in chief to serve the European theater as the one who would gather the greatest armada of military and naval and air personnel to invade Europe and do it on a seemingly insurmountable place on the beaches of France. Enough has been said about that. But Ike's preparation began when he was just a young man in Texas to do something. And that's something for us to remember, too. Whatever we are learning from the Lord in any given place, in our present struggle... We should always remember, first of all, the simple things, the blessed things that God brings our way. Even in the present suffering, Job could see the previous blessing of God. He wanted to be reflective on what God had done in his life. So there is a lesson right there. When you and I suffer, recount. Remember the old chorus, count your many blessings, name them one by one. That is something Job did. He says in verse 12, all was well, all was well with me. It sort of mirrors that song, it is well with my soul, as he reflects back on what God had done in his life. That's how suffering opened his eyes up to the Lord. The second thing is in spite of inconsiderate and inaccurate accusations of well-meaning people, Job could see how God was teaching him patience, and he told about it. First of all, let's look at those accusations. Chapter 15, here is Eliphaz, and Eliphaz says, just a few verses, in verse 6, your own mouth condemns you, not mine, your own lips testify against you. And then again in verse 13, so that you vent your rage against God and pour out such words from your mouth. What is man that he could be pure or one born of woman that he could be righteous? If God places no trust in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in his eyes, How much less man who is vile and corrupt and implication. You, Job, you're the one who's vile. You're the one who's corrupt. You're the one God can't place any trust in, obviously, because of all these problems that have come upon you. Not exactly an expression of love and encouragement. They were inconsiderate. They were inaccurate. But Job could see how God was teaching him Patience through it. Now, how do we know that? Well, turn to James chapter 5. And in that passage, James chapter 5, the brother of the Lord, we read in verse 11, As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's patience. For 4,000 years now, we have been blessed with the story of this great man, Job, and we've heard of his testimony, and the blessing of that has encouraged us in our walk. We have heard through all this time. Now, this man, Eliphaz, according to Genesis chapter 16, um, no, excuse me, um, Eliphaz is one who, in regard to what the Lord said, he said, pray for those who despitefully use you. Eliphaz, in Genesis 36, verse 4, turns out to be the son of Esau, Jacob's brother. He's not the most encouraging individual. He thinks he has the handle on God. And in our lifetimes, we're going to find people like that. We all, and we may ourselves have done this, we had the inside track on what spiritual truth is, we know better than somebody else, and and we're going to teach them. And yet, the history of passages like James and others is that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might lift us up in due time. Not to tell others how bad they are and how, how uh, we could help them in their growth. But in the instance of that happening, we learn patience from the Lord. And James expresses that. When we look at James, among other people, we think of this man, Job, and a man who teaches by his life patience, what it's all about. I don't know who said it to me. Some years ago, somebody said, you know, when we suffer, we should never ask God why you have done this. Now, I know we all have done it, but we shouldn't do that. We should rather ask what? For what reason, O Lord God, have you brought this into my life? This circumstance of suffering, which is hard for me to handle. A why will never be answered because we're not in the counsels of our sovereign God. We only see what he shows us. We'll never know all the motivations of God because who can know God? But God. But we can always ask the Lord, for what reason, Lord, have you brought this into my life? Some of the things he brings into our life are hard things. They're all, though, that we might learn of the patience that God gives to all those who ask it. And Job exemplified it as testified by James, chapter 5, verse 11. Thirdly, there are things that Job could see the value of And he could, by seeing the value of maintaining his godly integrity, look at chapter 16, verse 17, yet my hands have been free of violence. And then chapter 17, verse 19, where we read, in verse 9 rather, nevertheless, the righteous The righteous will hold to their ways, and those with clean hands will grow stronger. Job could see the value of maintaining his godly character. In his struggle, he sought no occasion to sin against God. He may have expressed things that showed his concern, his lack of understanding, his curiosity... His almost feeling that God was, as it says in one portion, shaking him by the back of the neck. Well, we've all had experiences like that. But he did not take occasion to accuse God and blame God from the very beginning. The testimony of the first chapter is, the Lord hath given, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We will accept what God brings us, and we will not cheat to stoop to sorrow, and then use that as an excuse to sin and destroy our own integrity. The Bible says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This man had his very wife say to him, curse God and die. Now, that's not exactly a word of encouragement. I'm so thankful that's never happened in my life. Uh, wife's testimony toward me, and I don't believe it would ever happen, and I wouldn't want to do the same. But this did happen to Job. He maintained his godly character, and yet his very beloved wife says to him, curse God. His answer was, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 14, if you would, for a moment, and here is the testimony of how right Job was. In Ezekiel chapter 14, we read this expression as Ezekiel brings prophetic judgment against the people of God many years later than than Job, but we read in verse 14, even if these three men... Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. they could not sa- they could save only themselves by their righteousness declares the sovereign Lord, and again in verse nineteen of ezekiel fourteen or if I send a plague into that land and pour out my wrath upon it through bloodshed, killing its men and their animals as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save neither son nor daughter. They would only save themselves by their righteousness. You see the character that he held to? He was a man who stayed on course and gave his life to the Lord, trusting him, as we've sung earlier tonight, trusting Jesus, that is all. It's important to trust us, trust the Lord while we're young. I have a letter here, just got it this week from one of our missionaries, Faye Goddard. Faye is a resident at the Calvary Homes. I've seen her once or twice, and uh, just a dear, a former a missionary. She, we have supported her, and she actually is a presently a member of Wheatland, our sister church. But I just thought I would read a portion of what this servant, who has some difficulties physically has been doing. Faye Goddard writes, I've been doing a lot of funeral folders recently, both for the deceased and the still living planning ahead. I still edit the Overseas Missionary Fellowship Alumni yearly newsletter and keep up the address list for that, also addresses for others on my computer database. Failing eyesight among fellow residents here at Calvary Homes gives me many opportunities to use my computer to do tasks they can no longer do. I use my car to ferry people to various medical appointments and bus and train depot. For the last half years, I've had an unusual assignment helping a friend and fellow missionary of more than 50 years get through the grieving and adjusting process after the death of his beloved wife. I feed him suppers, Watch the news on TV with him, comfort him when the tears flow, pray with him, and help him with his computer. Visitation in health care and personal care here at the home takes chunks of time out of my days. That includes my former house and apartment mate, Dorcas, of course, who does not always know me anymore. As her power of attorney, I take care of many of her affairs, including dealing with Medicaid, making medical decisions, shopping for clothes, seeing that she gets her hair cut, and keeping in touch with her family. In short, it seems as if the Lord wants me simply to be available to His direction in anything He wants of me. Next to the big things people are accomplishing, these things seem trivial. Yet, obedience is not trivial. And I am glad to be open to his leading. He is worthy of my all. Obedience is not trivial. That's the lesson that Job learned in his walking with the Lord, maintaining obedience, a godly integrity, even in the midst of his struggle third lesson. Fourth lesson, Job could see the effectiveness of continuing a habit of prayer. Look at verse 17 of chapter 16. Yet my hands have been free of violence, and my prayer is pure. Job continued the habit of prayer that he had cultivated from long before. Now remember, do you remember when first the attack came on him? But before that, he had the habit of praying for his sons, seven of them, and three daughters. It was his habit and his concern was real because he said, When he got up to offer sacrifice to the Lord and pray for their souls, he said, it may be that my son or daughter may have sinned in his heart against the Lord. A vibrancy of burden and prayer for those of his own family. This was his habit. We should have that same burden too. We should never lose the burden for prayer. Our hearts should be burdened for a lost world. Do you remember when our Lord Jesus revealed himself to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and the other disciple, and he revealed of all the things of the history of how God had interacted with his people and they're lapping it all in in their hearts. And finally they get to the house and it says the Lord They asked him to come into the house, and he did. And when he took the bread, the bread, and it says, when he offered thanks, their eyes were opened. Well, if their eyes were opened when God offered prayers, shouldn't that teach us some lessons about the value of prayer? Prayer for a lost world. I thank Dr. John Miller for an example I want to share with you. He was talking about, in the Gospel of John, when our Lord Jesus, in that chapter uh, we could look at it very quickly, John chapter two, where the Lord is coming into the temple, and as He comes into the temple of John chapter two, verse 13, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the temple tables exchanging money. Notice verse 14, the first four words, in the temple courts. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Those who sold dubs, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, we all admire the action of that attitude. But do you remember, this was all based in the covenant promises of God in Genesis chapter 12, when God told Abraham, I will bless you and make of you a great nation and many peoples will be blessed because of you. And then later in God's Plans with the temple and the building of it, God established this court. But in this courtyard where these men were changing money and selling ghosts, that wasn't the purpose of it. It was the court for the Gentiles. It was so that the people that were not in the fold of Israel could come and see how God's people interacted and praised Him and offered sacrifice and gave glory to the Lord. There's no room for the Gentiles. There's just all these animals here. And for the same reason, we should realize that in Isaiah chapter 56, God says, lest I misquote it, let me turn there, Isaiah chapter 56, where we read in verses 6 to 8, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship Him, and all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant. And these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, the Sovereign Lord declares. He who gathers the exiles of Israel. And so, this is the concept that God's place should be a place of prayer. God's house should be a place of prayer where people will learn to love the Lord. And I think Job recognized early on, and we should too, that the effectiveness of continuing a habit of prayer will benefit everyone. We should gather every Wednesday night, as many oftentimes we do here for prayer. We gather in our home fellowships and have prayer. We gather in our houses to pray. We pray that the gospel may pervade, and we pray that this place will always be a citadel thrusting forth the gospel, and the fuel of that will be the prayers of God's people. And even in spite of suffering, doesn't diminish our responsibility to come before the Lord and pray. Job could see the effectiveness of continuing that habit in spite of all that he had gone through. Fifthly, found in chapter 16, verse 18. Excuse me. Uh, Chapter 16, verse 18. 5, chapter 16, verse 5. But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. Now, this is Job's answer to these men who were miserable counselors. They didn't counsel and help him, as they really should have. And Job will be vindicated in that regard at the end of his uh, understanding from the revelation of God. But uh, Job could see that blessing, in spite of miserable comforters, in spite of the fact that friends misunderstand us, Job could see that blessing comes from the fellowship of friends while counseling them. Look at verse uh, chapter 17, verse 10. But come on, all of you, try again. I mean, you know, he's been hit, he's been kicked, he's been punched in the stomach, he's been knocked down, and they're stamping all over him with words, and Job says, <laughs> and he's not a, you know, a guy suffering, he's not a, I don't even remember the technical word, but he's not psychologically help by suffering physically. He's just recognizing that people have input in his life, and he recognizes that as being something from the Lord. Verse 10 of chapter 17, come on, all of you, try again. Maybe another word of comfort will come, but at least we're sitting together and fellowshipping together and consulting together. There's no breaking off of fellowship. How many times that happens? People, one little word, <laughs> fellowship is broken off. Years ago, I heard some evangelists say, when, when accompanied by somebody who wanted to gossip, the person came up to him and said, did you hear? And he said, no, and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that should be our way. Don't be talebearers, the scripture says. Let's be careful to encourage one another, but even in the midst of wrong counsel, even in the midst of accusatory expressions, Job could see the blessing that comes from being in fellowship with friends. And I think, don't you know that's just because that's what friends are? Sometimes friends say things that are really helpful. Sometimes we say things that aren't helpful, but we're still friends. There's something about listening to another voice. Would you not say? Now, certainly we should listen to God's voice. But another brother or sister's voice, always measured against the backdrop of Scripture, can be the thing we need to hear. I heard Pastor York this morning talking about his children. It brought to my mind years ago, 30 years ago, when I would read my children to sleep with Bible stories. Even as I'm preaching, maybe some of you are falling in that trap right now. (laughs) But I would read the Bible stories and I would just keep on reading and sooner or later, my little daughter and my little son would be falling fast asleep and we'd take him right up to bed. Well, I haven't lost my touch. Just yesterday... Uh, Or Friday, I guess it was. No, it was yesterday. My granddaughter came over and wanted to read a story, and I was reading the story, and sure enough, she fell sound asleep. The only problem is, I also fall asleep with her now. (laughs) So in a sense, I have lost my touch. But there's something so reassuring about hearing Daddy, or in this old guy's case, Grandpa, reading the stories of God's Word even if we don't have a sermon on it, the hearing of it is helpful. And when a word spoken fitly, as the scripture says, to somebody's soul is like apples of gold in vessels of silver. How helpful is the fellowship that comes from friends, even when they miserably fail, to bless us. And Job could see God was opening his eyes through all this suffering to these truths. And finally tonight, one other thing that I think I could share, and this is found in chapter 17. And it's a difficult passage because if you look at it, Job says in verse 13, if the only home I hope for is the grave... I hope you didn't say that today, but he did. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in darkness, if I say to corruption, you're my father, and to the worm while he's lying down, as it were, in a grave, you're my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? That's a tough passage. The thing that he could not see was... That though death seemed best, and with boils all over his body, all his children gone, all his finances gone, his wife not even speaking to him, his friends accusing him miserably, the only thing that seemed to be best at that point, death, what he could not see was God's protective hand was on him. From the very beginning, the parameters of God's appointment were such to Satan, the adversary, were this. You can afflict him with finances, you can afflict his family, you can afflict his body, but you cannot take away his life. Let that be a lesson that death is God's appointment, not ours to make. God is in charge, sovereignly, of our next breath, our life, and our death. When troubles come, when struggles come, when sorrows come, we can easily say with Job, oh, it would be better just to curl up and die. Have you ever said something like that? (laughs) But God says, wait a minute. I'm in charge here. This is under my hand. And you can't see it, Job but he would see it eventually. But at the moment, he didn't. And so, be careful of the things you can't see. The things we can't see. For the believer, he has God's protective hand upon him. Job's death, to put it another way, was not God's will now. God's will was for Job's life with suffering only for God's glory. We read in the book of Romans, if you'll turn there, thank you for being so patient tonight turning around with all these passages, but in Romans, as we conclude, we look at a passage announced by the Apostle Paul, and, I ask then, says Paul in Romans 11, did God reject His people? Or we could say it this way, was God about to cast out Job? Is he about to cast out you or me in any dealing of suffering and anguish and sorrow? Paul said, I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the Scripture says in the passage about Elijah? That's 1 Kings 19. How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, They have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. (laughs) That's my scared voice. (laughs) But that's exactly what he was saying. I'm the only guy left. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not the knee to Baal. First must come the suffering. Then we will see. And finally, as James reminds us, the second part of that verse in James chapter 5, verse 11, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. We consider those blessed those who have persevered. We consider those blessed, those who have persevered. Ye have heard of Job's patience. That's where he is right now. Now, look at the next part of the verse. And have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of, of compassion and mercy but Job couldn't see it just yet and many times we can't see it just yet either and we are just to say Lord let it be said of my life that my life tells of patience of perseverance in the struggle hold my breath of the time that you write the rest of it and see what the Lord finally brings out. We tend to say, we're the only one going through this. God has cast off His people, and especially me, but what Job perceived as torture was God's testing for Job's trusting. What Job perceived as torture was God's testing for Job's trusting. Trusting Jesus all day long. This is the song of his beloved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we hold our mouths. We don't boast. For we do not know what kinds of tests you may yet bring to us, but help us to look at a man like Job, to exceed his heart of purity, his burden in prayer, his wisdom in accepting counsel even from difficult people, his love for you, and help us to see the unseen hand of God in everything. faith trusting you in all circumstances so we pray because these are not in our abilities but only with your supply through jesus christ in whose name we pray amen